Open your Bibles with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter 24, Proverbs, chapter 24, and Ephesians 6, Proverbs 24, and Ephesians 6. If you look at Proverbs, chapter 24, verse 5, this was the theme verse for man camp this year, Proverbs, chapter 24, and verse 5, a wise man is strong. A man of knowledge increaseth strength. Let's read that out loud together. Proverbs 24, 5. A wise man is strong, yea, a man of knowledge increaseth strength. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to come together around your word in this place. Lord, thank you for the men that you have brought to Grace Baptist Church. Lord, thank you for the example that they are here at the church, in their homes, and in the community. Father, I pray that today will be an encouragement to them and that all of us will learn and grow and become the men that you would have us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you recognize that there is a real assault on godly manhood today? It, it is an interesting thing that, that men are being emasculated all over the place. And it, the, the, just the general characteristics of manhood are considered boorish. And so every man is supposed to begin speaking softly and... Just, hi, aren't you glad you're here? I am so excited that we get to preach the Word, and I just believe it so. I mean, maybe that's a little gross, you know? Uh, why? Because, and you know, and I know I don't have the most manly voice in the world. Some, Nathaniel Tennant says I sound like Kermit the Frog when I preach. And you know, Kermit the Frog here, it, it, does, it does happen sometimes. And so it's not about having a big booming voice or any of those things. God made men to be men and he made ladies to be ladies. And that's just the way that it is when we have a culture that is against that. Now, what ends up happening sometimes is you have a pendulum swing and there are some guys that believe that manhood, that all it's about is behaving like a pig. That's not a godly man. Amen? Amen. That's not godly manhood. So there, a, a godly man is defined for us in Scripture. And so I want us to look at that briefly today. But I, I do want to say this. I said it as, as I was praying to the Lord a minute ago. I mean, I'm just really thankful for the men that God has brought to Grace Baptist Church. And ladies, next week, you know, we'll, we'll talk about you. But today is about the men. And I am very, very thankful that God has brought us godly examples of what a man is supposed to be. And you young men, you can look around and there are men in this church that you can trust, that you can look up to and that you can be like. Isn't that a blessing? And I'm thankful we have young men that are like that. And we have men all the way up to, Carl Zimmerman, how old are you? 92. 92 years old. Is that awesome? I'm just thankful that we have a span of men, that we have young men. Uh, Noah Joins got to lead five, five guys to the Lord at the beginning of the school year. At the Christian school, he led five young men to the Lord. Isn't that a blessing? I'm glad we have that, and I'm glad we have Carl Zimmerman, 92 years old. He goes to, to funerals, and, and he prays, and he has an impact in our community. Godly manhood is not based on age. It's based on biblical truth. So let's look at some things from the Bible today. And like Elizabeth Taylor said to her eighth husband, I won't keep you long, okay? So we'll, we'll get into this. That sounded like, how many of you think that sounds like a Bob Curlis joke? How many of you think that? Yes. All right. So let, let's go to the Ephesians passage, and I want you to see this. Ephesians chapter 6, and look at verse 10. I almost need to pray again after that joke. 
All right, look what it says, verse 10. Finally, God wants us to be strong. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. God wants us to be strong. And, you know, I do believe that God wants men to be strong physically. Um, I think that if there's ever a time where you're called on to defend your family, you need to be able to do that. Amen? Amen? There does get to, you do get to a point where physically, because of age, you're not as strong as you used to be, and that's why God made guns. And so it is really important that we understand that it's the man's responsibility to provide for, to protect his home. The Bible says, He that provides not for his own has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. God wants men to provide for their homes. And that is, you provide food, you provide shelter, you provide protection, but you also provide godly instruction. God wants you to be strong. God wants you to be strong. And here at Grace Baptist Church, we celebrate godly manhood. We teach godly manhood. And we are thankful for godly manhood and the men that God has brought here. The Bible says, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And that's the foundation of it all. Look with me at 2 Timothy chapter 2. Keep your place in Proverbs 24. If you're gone, you can find it again in a minute. 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to come back to this at the end. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Look at verse 1. The Bible says, Thou my son, thou therefore my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You know, the Bible wants, the Bible teaches that men are to be strong. But the first passage there in Ephesians 6, be strong in the Lord. And here, be strong in grace. What is grace? Grace is the gift of eternal life that God has given to us. Is anybody here that's saved today? You know for sure that you're saved today. Isn't that a blessing? If you don't know for sure that if you died today, you'd go to heaven. If you're not sure of that, then there's no way that you can be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. 1 John 5, 13, but these are written to you that believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that we can know that we have eternal life, and when we know that we have eternal life, we can be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And that's the confidence, that's the hope that I want you to have. Do you know for sure? that you are going to heaven. You know, the strongest man is the man that stands in the Lord. The strongest man is the man that stands in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I've got to tell you, as a father, there are times when I just don't know what to do and I need to go to the Scriptures. I need God to tell me what to do. As a husband, there are times when I'm not sure the best way to lead my family. I don't have the wisdom to do it, but I know that God does. The Bible talks about the wisdom that comes from above. It's godly and it's pure. That's the wisdom that I need. I don't have that in myself. So I need to be strong in the Lord and I need to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Those are the kind of strong men that we need. And when you get your salvation settled, you know for sure that you're going to heaven. You've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your eternal life. When you get that settled, you can be strong in grace. And I've got to say this, you know, 
if you're a guest, and I, I know that we have some guests here with us, you may be born again. It's possible that you're not born again. Those of you who attend here all the time, you might be born again. You might not be born again. Becoming a Baptist won't take you to heaven. Being a Presbyterian won't take you to heaven. Being a Catholic won't take you to heaven. Being a Michigan fan, it's impossible to go to heaven. Pray for Bob Curlis. There's only one way to get to heaven. It doesn't matter what school you go to. It doesn't matter what church you go to. None of that has anything to do with whether or not you get to go to heaven. You go to heaven by grace. And that's the grace of Jesus Christ. And He offered you eternal life. He offered you salvation. Now, I don't want to diminish the importance of doctrine. It really is important what you believe. God cares about what you believe. The Bible talks about right doctrine. The Bible talks about false doctrine. You might be here believing false doctrine. If you're believing false doctrine, stop it. Amen? Amen. Believe right doctrine. What is doctrine? It's God's truth and God's words. If you are believing something that contradicts the Bible, that's wrong. So what do you need to do? You need to repent of that and start believing things that are right. But the thing that takes you to heaven is not what church you go to. What takes you to heaven is the blood of Jesus Christ, His sacrifice on the cross, His death, burial, and resurrection. And when you believe that, when you go to Him in prayer and you say, Lord Jesus, I can't save myself. I know that I'm a sinner and I deserve to go to hell. Please forgive me for my sin and save me. Be my Savior. I know I can't save myself. I need you. Has anybody here done that? Amen. When you do that, you become a child of God. You become a son of God. And then you can stand in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. But if you're standing in your own strength, you're going to fall. And ultimately, you're going to go to hell. So stand in the grace of Jesus Christ. And what a wonderful thing that is. Go back with me to Proverbs 24. Proverbs 24. I want us to look at how the Bible describes a strong man. It's interesting. I googled strong man sermon. I wanted to see what other guys had said about strong men. And about the only thing I could find was where the Bible, Jesus said, if you're going to spoil a house, you must bind the strong man. And that's talking about Satan. So I, I don't want you to be like Satan. So let's look at what the Bible says about strong, godly men. The first thing I want you to see is our text verse. It's Proverbs 24 and verse 5. A wise man is strong, yea, a man of knowledge increaseth strength. A wise man is strong, yea, a man of knowledge increaseth strength. The first thing that we saw by way of introduction is that God wants us to be strong. But here, the first of our points as to what a strong man looks like, if you look at verse 5, we get back focused on what I'm doing here. A wise man is strong, yea, a man of knowledge increaseth strength. The godly man is strong in wisdom. The godly man is strong in wisdom. I've got a friend, uh, John Hawkins, and he has one of the best definitions of wisdom that I've seen, and it is skill for living. Wisdom is skill for living. How many of you know people that are bad at life? Right? Jesus said, the poor you'll always have with you. In the United States, most of the time, the reason that adults are poor, children are poor because their parents are poor. So it doesn't even do with the kids. But the reason that adults are poor most of the time is because they're bad at life. Now, there can be many reasons for that. It could be they had parents that were bad at life, and that's the model that they have seen, and that's what they have carried into life. When people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and we get them established in the word, then they get wisdom and wisdom is skill for living. And when you have skill for living, your life is better. You you understand that if you here, let me young people, here's here's some skill for living. Spend less than you earn. 
Now, that sounds... How many of you think that's just common sense? Right? But common sense isn't very common anymore. There are a lot of people that they, they live in so much debt that life becomes very difficult. Look at the government. And so, young people, that's, just, that's skill for living. How about this? Be nice to people. Show respect. If you show respect, you'll receive respect. What is that? That's skill for living. Isn't that right? How about this? Take a bath. Take a bath. Man, we were just out and about and at the airport, and you would think that take a bath is common sense. It's not. I wanted to walk around with, you know, spray for people and help them. But young people, that wouldn't be kind. So don't do that. Don't be like your pastor wants to be. It's... What is it? The skill for living, wisdom, just, just common sense. Be where you're supposed to be on time. Does that make sense? How many of you, you have people who have worked for you and they couldn't show up on time? Has that ever happened? One of the problems that we have with young people is the hardest thing you've ever had to do is to go to school and get your homework in. See, your great-great-grandparents, they had to make sure the crops were in before they went to school. They had to make sure the cow was milked before they went to school. They had work to do. Now, I understand that you have chores, and it might be loading the dishwasher, right? Your adversity is different than the adversity of the past. And so what happens is we have young people who go into life without skill for living. And now, praise God, you've got godly parents, and your parents are teach, giving you skill for living. Most of you look relatively clean and alert and awake, and that's, that's a blessing. So God wants us to be wise. Look at, keep your place in Proverbs 24. Look at Proverbs 4. Godly man is wise. Proverbs 4, look at verse 7. This is such, such an interesting verse. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. One of the problems with being an American, and I think you all know that I love being an American. I'm, I'm, I'm very proud that I'm an American. I might start singing, I'm proud to be an American. But I am very proud. How many of you are glad that I don't? do that. I am very proud to be an American, but one of the problems with our culture is the principal thing that many of our parents want to give our children is an education so that they can get a job. How many of you know that's the American ethic, right? What does the Bible say the principal thing is? It's wisdom. It's wisdom. Because if, if, if wisdom is the principal thing, then you'll understand what education is. Then you'll get your understanding. Then you'll know what kind of work you ought to do for the Lord. When those priorities get out of whack, then what happens is I can't go to church. I have a career. I don't have time to serve God because I have a career. So for a man, what a man needs to have is wisdom. And a godly man is strong in wisdom. And the Bible says that godly wisdom comes from above. It's not from the world. It is from God. The Bible says that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, but that by the foolishness of preaching, they would believe. And so we need to understand that there is a wisdom in the world that is foolishness. And our wisdom appears foolish to the world. And so we need to understand that wisdom comes from God and a strong man is wise. Go back to Proverbs 24. Wisdom. I love it. It's John Hawkins. Skill 
for living, skill for living. Back to Proverbs 24. So number one, the godly man. The godly man is strong in wisdom. Number two, the godly man is strong in knowledge. Look at verse 5 again. A wise man is strong, yea, a man of knowledge increaseth strength. A wise man is strong, a man of knowledge increaseth strength. So let me ask you a question, men. Where, how are you growing in your knowledge of the Lord? How are you growing in your knowledge of the Word of God? How are you growing in your knowledge of the things of God? You see, the only way you can know the things of God, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, is, or 2 Corinthians chapter 2, is from the Word of God. The Bible says that it is spiritually discerned. Jesus said in John 6, 63, The words that I speak unto you, they are wisdom and they are life. So when you increase in knowledge, that is a specific knowledge, and that is the knowledge of the Word of God. Now, I'm very thankful that we have educated people here. And I'm glad that I get to preach to a church of educated people. And we are all for that. If you're not familiar with it, go into my study. You'll see thousands of books. I've read one or two of them. They're very pretty. But we are for education. We're for that. But it has to be godly education founded on the Word of God. Amen? And so knowledge, I want you to be good at your job. I want you to research and know more about engineering or teaching or firefighting or being a police officer. Whatever it is that you do, I want you to be good at that. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Do all things as unto the Lord and not unto men. Isn't that what the Bible says? So you ought to be the best engineer, the best teacher, the best firefighter, the best police officer, the best line leader, whatever it is God has called you to do. You need to be the best at that and you need to be growing in that to be able to better serve your employer. But ultimately, our job is to serve God. I just thought about we have funeral directors. You need to be a better funeral director. How many of you know there's some jokes there? They're, they're just to just fill in the blank right there and I'll try to stay out of trouble. But all of us, we need to do better at whatever it is that we're doing. And I think that that honors the Lord. Is that right? But what does the Bible say that we ought to do primarily with that? Look at, keep your place in Proverbs 24, but look at 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. Chapter 10. Look at verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, that's fleshly, physical, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against what? The knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And here's the thing. We all... We all receive information every day, whether it's a commercial, a television show, a billboard, uh, interaction with somebody at the water cooler. We all, we receive, we, we take in information every day, and that begins to shape our thinking. Would you all agree with that? R.B. Willett says, nearness is likeness. Nearness is likeness. You become like that which you are around often. And so what we need to do is every, all of the information that we're taking in, we need to compare that to the knowledge of Christ and bring it underneath the knowledge of Christ. So as I learn more about being a pastor, I need to keep that under Christ. As I learn more about uh, teaching history, I need to keep that under the Lord Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? 
So whatever your career is, as you learn those things, that needs to, to be under the headship of Jesus Christ. When those things begin exalting themselves above what you know about God, then you're in trouble. We're going to deal with some of that maybe possibly in a few minutes. So number one, the godly man is strong in wisdom. Number two, a godly man is strong in knowledge. Number three, the godly man is strong in discernment. Go back to Proverbs 24. The godly man is strong in discernment. This is interesting. The, the godly man knows what to want. Isn't that interesting? The godly man knows what to want. Look at verse 1. Be not thou envious against evil men, neither desire to be with them. For their heart studieth destruction, and their lips talk of mischief. And it's really important that we get this. Man, you watch TV, you young people, you'll see some guy on TV, some rap star or whatever, some athlete, and they have all this stuff. You know, and you watch these people. These guys, they just spend money just so that they can spend it. They have $100,000 watches and a bunch of them, and they can't even tell time. It's really sad. It, it's, it's amazing what happens with people, and you look at all that they have. You know, there are stars in Hollywood. I just saw something. Miley Cyrus is worth, I think, $200 million. Just let that marinate for a minute. Two hundred million. See, the world rewards debauchery. The world, the world rewards immorality. And so, what happens is, you'll see someone like her, or you'll see some athlete, and you'll say, "I want what they have," but are you willing to do what they did to get what they have? And what we end up with is a culture of young men and young ladies who they mimic the wickedness that's displayed by these immoral people. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you think that young men, that it's going to help a young man to get a job and succeed in life, to have his pants down here and say, hey, yo, what up with my job? Is that going to help you get a job? I, I, I worked at uh, a clothing store. I was manager at a clothing store, high-end clothing store, and this young man walked in, and he wanted a job. And so he's filling out the application. And he said, these shoes be smoking. How much day is? <laughs> and I just said to him, I said, look, you're a sharp guy. I can tell you, he was all put together, and I think he would do a good job. But that's not a professional way to speak. Now, if with your buddies, I don't care. But you need to understand the distinction between fooling around with friends and understanding how to speak professionally and interact in a professional world. How many of you understand the difference there? And so what happens is if people are taking what the world puts out, and now you parents, this is just a complete aside. You need to know what your kids are listening to. You need to know who their heroes are. I think one of the best things that Charles Barkley ever said was, I'm not a role model. Your parents are role models. Now, he was criticized for saying that, but he was absolutely right. Amen? Man, if you want to know how to play basketball, then, then, be, then do like Charles Barkley did. If you want to know how to be a man, then look at your godly father. You see, how many of you recognize the difference in that? And so what, what God wants his strong men to have is godly discernment. And what the passage is teaching is don't want what men have gotten 
through evil. There was a time when you just couldn't buy a meal for someone. Remember trying to buy a meal for your grandfather? It wasn't going to happen. Now people want, want, and want, and they're 15 minutes of fame, and they, they want to have everything that comes along with it. Godly men have discernment. Do you know what's good? It's what God allows you to have through the hard work that you do and the income that you earn or the things that you get through, in, through godly investment. That's what God wants you to have. That's what's good. Don't desire what evil people have earned. And our culture is... It's really going down. You know what I, I thought of? This, you want to see how old I am? How many of you remember Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous? With Robin Leach, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. And you would watch that, and here's the deal. You don't need any of it. Most of it you wouldn't know what to do with if you had it. And so the Bible talks about godly contentedness. Godly contentedness. Godly discernment. God, a strong man. A strong man is wise, and a strong man is strong in knowledge, and he's strong in discernment. He desires the right things. Look at verse 9. He desires the right things from the right places. Look at what it says in verse 9. The thought of foolishness is sin, and the scorner is an abomination to men. I mean, there's a lot of foolishness going on in the world, and that is sin. <laughs> How many of you are your, your, your dad? Stop acting like a fool. You ever hear that? Stop acting like a fool. That's biblical instruction. That's biblical instruction. And the Bible says that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. And so what we need to understand is that God wants us to be wise. He wants us to be growing in knowledge. And He wants us to have discernment. We need godly men with discernment. Um, boy, there's so much that can be said about that. Godly men, strong men, they have discernment. They know that their children need church more than they need school. There are people that wouldn't come to a... This, this just happened. I was preaching somewhere, and the guy said, be sure to be done by a certain time because we have parents that won't come because their kids have to be up in time for school. And if they get to bed too late... That's foolish thinking. That's bad discernment. That's, that's, that's not good we need to make sure... I wonder how many people stayed up and watched the Ohio State game last night. We've never had a church service that has gone, that has gone to midnight. I want to ask you to raise your hands if you let your kids stay up for the game. You see, a godly... A, and then they lost. That investment. It's just bad. Here's the thing. Godly discernment, it tells me what's valuable. The preaching of the Word is more valuable than a class that will take place many times. Does that make sense? Now, please, I think education is vital. If you don't know what I believe about education, I've preached all kinds of sermons on it. I'm very interested in the education of your children. But being under the preaching of God's Word for a limited period of time... That is more valuable than the next day at school. It's really important that we get this. These are the kinds of things that, that people just need to hear. Being in church and under the preaching and teaching of God's Word is more important than baseball or basketball or football or lacrosse or deep-sea Romanian folk dancing. 
It's more important than any of those things. But we have a culture that's so eaten up with entertainment. And we have parents that are trying to live vicariously through their children. We have fathers. You're like Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. You want to see my video? I mean... It's just crazy. And I love sports. I played sports badly. I love sports. But the preaching of the Word of God should always take priority over something like that. How many of you realize that that's godly discernment? And so this, these are, the strong man knows these things. A godly man is strong in knowledge. A godly man is strong in discernment. Then a godly man is strong in mercy. Look at Proverbs chapter 24. Look at verse 11. Now, this is, this is instruction for a king... And it says, if thou forbear to... Oh, I like verse 10. No, no, I'll get that in a minute. Look at verse 11. If thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death and those that are ready to be slain, if thou sayest, behold, we knew it not, doth not he that pondereth the heart consider it? And he that keepeth thy soul, doth not he know it? And shall not he render to every man according to his works? So this was instruction to his son when he becomes a king. Man, if you're bringing someone, if someone comes before you and they're to be executed, make sure you know what's going on with that. How many of you think that's good advice for a ruler? Those of us, if we take this into a New Testament time, we need to understand that everyone around us is dying. How many of you recognize that everyone around us is dying? Eventually, we will all die. And we also need to understand that the the Bible says the wages of sin is death. The Bible says, but the fearful and unbelieving, the abominable and whoremongers and murderers and sorcerers and adulterers and, and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Every individual in the world is dying. And if you are a godly man, you will show mercy. And how do you show mercy? You tell them how they can have eternal life. Amen? We shouldn't have trouble filling up the parking lot with trunk or treat. We we shouldn't have trouble when it comes time to hand out the little brochure to invite someone to come and hear about strong families. When we understand that we really do live in a fallen world, that people really are dying and they're brought before us every day, every minute, we need to have a heart full of compassion and full of mercy and understand the Bible says if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And here, listen, well, I didn't know. When someone is executed in your kingdom and the king, the king says, oh, I didn't know about it. That's not an answer. You're responsible for it. And all of us are responsible to give the gospel to the people that are around us. Strong men are full of mercy. I would like to ask you men, don't raise your hands. This is between you and God. When's the last time you gave someone the gospel? When's the last time you handed someone a gospel tract? When's the last time you invited someone to come to hear the preaching of the gospel? That is your responsibility. How many of you agree that that is our responsibility as believers? That is our responsibility. So godly men, and listen, those of us who are political conservatives, man, we believe in hard work, individual accountability, individual responsibility. You take care of your own. If a man would not eat, if a man will not work, neither should he eat. We all believe that. So we believe in responsibility, but it is our responsibility as godly men, just as much as it's our responsibility to provide for our home, it is our responsibility to share the gospel with other people. Isn't that right? Are you doing that? If you said, man, pastor, I'm not sure how, we'll teach you. 
We will help you to do that. So a godly man is strong in wisdom. A godly man is strong in knowledge. A godly man is strong in discernment, strong in mercy. And a godly man is strong in perseverance. Look at what it says in verse 10. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Young people, let me tell you something. Adversity is coming. And some of you have had adversity. Most young people don't have adversity. I mean, you think you do. But it's a different kind of adversity than life comes. When you have a child die, that's adversity. When you, when you lose your business, that's adversity. When marriage trouble comes, that's adversity. When your children go away from the Lord, that's adversity. Listen to what the Bible says. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. How many of you believe that God's strength is small? How many believe God is strong? Be strong in the Lord, in the power of His might. Look at what the Bible says in verse 16. For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. You know, I would imagine that there are some men here, you served God once, but you've fallen. You've fallen. And it could be you've fallen in your mind. It could be that you've fallen into to just apathy. Do you know what it's time to do? It's time to get up. It's time to get up. We need some godly men who were once godly to become godly again. Repent, for, repent of your sin. Repent of your lackadaisicalness. Repent of your apathy. Repent of that and get the zeal of the Lord. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 3, Be zealous, therefore, and repent. The Bible says that the grace of God hath appeared from heaven to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness, we should live righteously and soberly in this present world, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who died that He might redeem us from all iniquity. Anybody redeemed from all iniquity? And purify unto Himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Some of us, you know what the Bible says? The, the, talking to Timothy, Paul said, stir up the gift that is in you. Do you know what some of us need to do? We need to be stirred up. Some of us have sat down We've fallen. It's time to get up. The just man falleth seven times and riseth again. We need some men who say, you know what? It's time for me to get up. I have sat long enough. Yes, I did fall, but I'm going to get up. Can I tell you something? None of us are perfect. And there are some men who don't serve God because they don't think they're worthy of serving God. Let me promise you something. None of us are worthy of serving God. The only reason that any of us have the opportunity to do anything for the Lord is because of the amazing grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. That's why you need to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Because when you look at yourself, when you look at your life, when you look at your past performance, it will disappoint you. But I can promise you this. Jesus Christ will never disappoint you. His strength will never fail you. And His calling does not end. The Bible says the calling of God is without repentance. He has not given up on you. Jesus Christ has not given up on you. Have you given up on him? The godly man is strong in perseverance. Get back in the fight. Get back in the fight. And then just keep going. And then the godly man is strong in hope. Look at verse 19. The godly man is strong in hope. Fret not thyself because of evil men, neither be thou envious of the wicked. Fret not thyself because of evil men. Anyone discouraged about the election? Right? How many of you have fretted a little bit when you watch the news and what you have? They're evil people. Don't fret about that. Don't be surprised that politicians are evil. Amen? Have hope. Have hope. Our calling, our job, what we're supposed to do as strong men, it doesn't change whether we get President Clinton or President Trump. None of it changes. We are to do right. 
We're to have hope in this world. Look at what the Bible says again, verse 19. Fret not thyself because of evil men, neither be thou envious of the wicked. For there shall, look at, for there shall be no reward to the evil man. The candle of the wicked shall be put out. Our God exists. We have hope in God, not in politics. The world is getting wicked. That's why we need strong men. I think we need strong men more than any other time in history, at least more than any other time in our history, because a strong man will stand out. A strong man will be different. A strong man will have influence. A strong man will be used of God. So what have we seen? Godly man is strong in wisdom. A godly man is strong in knowledge. A godly man is strong in discernment. A godly man is strong in mercy. The godly man is strong in persevering, and the godly man is strong in hope. But I want you to see this, lastly. The godly man is strong in his convictions. The godly man is strong in his convictions. Look at this, verse 21. My son, fear thou the Lord and the king. Look at this. And meddle not with them that are given to change. How many of you know people voted for change? Is that an amazing verse in the Bible? Meddle not with them that are given to change. Do you know another word for that? Liberal. A liberal is one who is given to change. A conservative is one who resists change. We're supposed to be biblical. Some of you are conservative where you ought to be changed. And some of you want to change everything because you hate God's instruction for your life. Why why does the world care about gay marriage? Why? Because they don't want a God who tells them what to do. Most of the people fighting for gay marriage aren't gay. They just hate God. And they hate God's instructions for their life. Why is it that the entertainment industry wants to to push illicit, out-of-marriage sex? Why do they want to do that? Because they hate a God that tells them what to do. We as godly people, we need to have godly convictions no matter what the world is doing. And we need to not go along with change. You know, God hadn't changed his mind about gay marriage. God hasn't changed his mind about morality and immorality. God hasn't changed his mind about pornography. God hasn't changed his mind about any of that stuff. We as godly men, we just need to be godly men. And that is that we are strong in our godly convictions. Amen? We're strong in it. Now, we don't want to hurt anybody. It is interesting that when you talk about those things, people think that you want to go gay bashing or whatever. No, we want them to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior so they can understand the wonderful freedom that comes in Christ, not the bondage of that wicked lifestyle and their morality. And the Bible says they're blinded by Satan, and we need to free them. They're in bondage to Satan. We need to free people who are bound bound to their sin. How can we do that if we're like them? We need to be strong in our convictions. We don't change our convictions to appease the sinful world, and God does not change His convictions. Neither should we. I'll give you an example of men how you can be strong. When your daughter is about to walk out of the house in something that is immoral, say no. And I always like to say this. My wife shops and my daughter shops in those stores for preacher's wives and their kids. You know that special store at the mall for the preacher's wife? How many of you have seen that store? No, here's what you have to do. Here's what you have to do. And let me, husbands, let me help you. Honey, buy it bigger. If it's too tight, it's immoral. Y'all agree with that? How many of you agree with that? 
How many of you men are brave enough to raise your hand on that? Right? How many of you wives will let your husband raise their hand right there? It's really important that we get this. If, if your wife is wearing something that is immoral... Now, here's, here, I'll tell you how to know if you're really worldly, if you want men to look at your wife. How many of you think that's a godly thing to do? It's interesting, isn't it? Men, don't let your daughters go out of the house in clothing that will entice a young man. You need to have convictions about those things. How many of you think God cares about that? Seriously. Does the Bible say anything about modesty? And the attire of a harlot? It's amazing what men who call themselves godly men allow to happen. And it's amazing how uncomfortable people get. Yes, you see what I'm seeing. Listen, we need godly men who are willing to take a stand. And we're going to preach on godly ladies, but we need godly ladies who allow their husbands to influence them. Now, how many of you ladies understand that you look at a lady different than a man does? So trust your husband. Trust your husband. Ask him. But, honey, do you think that this is modest? Is this modest? <laughs> and I can just see some of you men. Is this a trick question? <laughs> what? What? It's not just this make me look fat. Lie about that. I'm just telling you from the pulpit. No, I'm kidding. Kind of. But when, when it comes to this kind of thing... We, if we're going to be different than the world, one of the primary ways that we're different than the world is the way that we dress. Would you all agree with that? And so, godly men, we need you to take a stand on this. God hasn't changed his convictions. I'll tell you, I've been so disappointed with all of these preachers that have endorsed Donald Trump. It, I, I can't imagine a Baptist preacher endorsing somebody that owns strip clubs and that has behaved in the way that he has. Now, you can say his policies, as he has stated them recently, are better than those of Hillary Clinton for those of a conservative mindset. That's a fair thing to say, but don't defend his behavior. That's very disappointing. We can't give up our convictions because how are we going to stand against the next person that's immoral when we excuse the immorality of the person that we want to vote for? We can't do that. He's a pig. He's just a pig and an awful person. So is she. Right? Anybody that wants to deliver a baby and then kill that baby, partially deliver the baby and kill it, as often as possible, that's an evil person. You all agree with that? We can't change our convictions. We need to be strong. Look at it, what it says again. My son, verse 21, My son, fear thou the Lord and the King, and meddle not with them that are given to change. For their calamity shall rise suddenly, and who knoweth the ruin of them both. Listen. We can't change our convictions. God hasn't changed His. So, what have we learned? We've learned that the strong man is strong in wisdom, strong in knowledge, strong in discernment, strong in mercy, strong in perseverance, strong in hope, and strong in his convictions. We need godly men. How many of you recognize we need godly men more than at any other time? Let's just be godly men. Let's be godly men. And not boorish. Not boorish. Loving our wives. Tonight I'm going to preach on... Strong husbands, strong husbands. And you're gonna, we're going to learn how a husband is to treat his wife. So wives, get your husband here tonight. And so it's really important that we get that. But listen, the most important thing that we need to be is strong in the Lord and strong in grace. Strong in the Lord and strong in grace. And then we'll know how to do the rest of these things. Men, you need to be strong. 
Some of you men need to come to church more. You know, the football games will still be there. Get a DVR. You need to be in church more. You need to lead your family. Because when the time comes and your child walks away from God because they're being like dad, you're going to answer to God for that. Some of you dads need to be saved. You've, you've sat under the preaching of God's word. You've heard the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and you're being stubborn. You're going to be stubborn all the way to hell. And you think you're a strong man. You're not going to be strong when you're burning in torment. Well, I didn't think people preached hellfire and brimstone. Well, they should because it's real. Heaven and hell are corresponding opposites. However good heaven is, that's how bad hell is. Why? Because in heaven, God is there. In hell, God is not there. And that is what you're choosing. You're saying, God, I don't want you, so you get hell. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. Every good thing's come, thing comes from God. That's why heaven is so good. Hell is so bad because it is not God. And some of you men are saying, I don't want God, so you are going to get hell. I didn't come here to be badgered. I'm not badgering you. I'm saying you're about to go off a cliff. Stop. You're about to burn. Stop. 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 The bridge is out. Stop. And some of you men, you're sitting here saying, I am not going to be moved. Well, you are going to go to hell. No one is happy about that. Strong man is strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Some of you men need to stand up for your families. Some of you men need to stand up for the Lord. Some of you men need to come to church more. Some of you men need to take a stand at home more. Some of you men need to take a stand at work more. Some of you men need to be saved. And all of us need to say, thank God that I know any of this. Because we can't be arrogant or proud in it. The only reason we know it is because God has told it to us in His Word. We need to be humble and gracious and merciful and strong. If you're here today and you're not saved, you need to get saved. If you're here today and you've fallen, it's time to get up. If you're here today and you've been being strong, grow and be stronger. Amen? Let's all stand together. Dear Heavenly Father, we are needy people.